Welcome to Harvest Mission Community Church. You are listening to one of our sermons. Amen. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. We're going to look at two verses this morning as we continue in our series called Work Matters. If you remember, as we started the series last week, we talked about the purpose of work. And how it is God's design. It is his plan for us to work. But the problem was this, that sin entered into this world. And because of that, as it was described in Genesis chapter 3, we see that now work is made toilsome or it is very difficult. So it doesn't mean the work is bad, but how we have to work, it is something, is a consequence of sin as they disobeyed God. But nevertheless... The joy that we have is that we are able to redeem the work, which means that now with the work that God has given to us, as we do it with excellence, as we do it with our focus on Him, and to obey Him and to love people around us, we can actually use the work that we have to be able to bring forth greater transformation. And especially, ultimately, I'm praying that for the common good, the people will come to know who Jesus Christ is, and we could glorify him. Today, we want to talk about the importance of the way we work. So not only the why that we talked about, but now the way we work. And as some of you know, we said we're going to try to do different things throughout the series. One of them, as Pastor Bo mentioned, that we have a resource, that a devotional that you can kind of follow along. We want to encourage you to try to do that. Another thing is that we're going to have next week, please mark this on your calendar, you want to stick around in our church after the Sunday celebration, because afterwards we're going to set up tables with people who are in different fields and different spheres of society and who are in our church, whether it's the medical field, education field, business, commerce, whatever it is, we're going to have all these people who are in those fields sitting at tables where you could actually have lunch and ask questions, and they will field your questions as best as they can. How do they get into that uh, sphere? Uh, you know, what are some lessons they've learned? Because some of you who are students, you're going to be entering into some of these fields. So it'll be great to be able to hear their testimony, some of their stories. And so that's going to be next week, right after Sunday celebration. We're going to have lunch together and join us for that. Another thing that I mentioned is that I wanted to showcase and highlight different people in our workplace. Now, please, I want to make myself very clear. It doesn't mean that they're greater or better than anyone else in our city ministry. And sometimes, in fact, I, I wonder by uh, God's grace. But honestly, I look at it this. It's an opportunity because now as they are experiencing more of God's grace, they're seeing that what they are called to do, that there's a greater purpose. And not only a greater purpose, but now they're realizing that there are different tensions that you feel as you work. And so one of the things we wanted to do, along with the other things that I mentioned, is that we want to be able to highlight them and have them share their testimonies. More of an interview kind of setting. I will be the interviewer, and they will be the interviewee. And so as we interview them, uh, hopefully you can get to know them. And also I wanted to make connections. So some of you... As you hear, if you're like, oh, I'm kind of interested in that, or that's what I'm studying, or I'm thinking about a career change, it will be great to just kind of uh, talk with them. And uh, let me just say this, whatever they majored in college, they're not doing it right now. So, you know, that, that tells you a lot. That tells you a lot about some of you. You're like, oh, my God, you know, what am I going to do? Like, you might not even do what you're studying. So 
Remember, college is all about developing your brain to learn how to think, all right? And to meet friends and that special friend for the rest of your life. Anyway, so that's a whole different seminar, a seminar that we will be doing. So let's go ahead and let's uh, invite Emily and Nick to come on up. Come on, let's go down here. All right. Yeah. All right. You guys doing all right? Okay. Well, I, th- I thought it would be great if they could, because not everyone knows you guys. Uh, really? Some of them do. Okay. <laughs> some of them do. But I think it would be great just to kind of uh, introduce yourself and tell us what you do uh, for work. Ladies first. Thank you. <laughs> um, hi, uh, my name is Emily. Um, I work for a TV channel. Um, for them, I acquire and also invest into shows so that we can have more shows on our channel. I'm Nick. Uh, I manage people's money, so I work in like wealth management. So basically, I help people to manage their finance. Yeah, can you really do that? Help our church out with our budget? <laughs> so that'll be great. Okay. Yeah. But I, I'm blessed. These guys are generous guys, and they love the Lord. They love the church. I was thinking maybe just for them to get to know you a little bit. Uh, not only what you do, but I'm just wondering, like, what are some of the issues that you face at work, Emily? Maybe we could start with you, because as you know, being a Christian, it's not easy. There's different challenges. So I'm just wondering, what are some of the issues that you face at work? Uh, I think one that's very obvious is definitely like temptations, like a lot of temptations to complain and compare. And when you see like when you're working in the work, you can't run away from the people you work with. And so um, for me, when I face those difficulties in working with people that I have a hard time with, like I think um, needing to compose myself and remember to love is a daily struggle. Yeah. And remember all those past life group members. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's another thing. You have life group members that you just don't get along with. That's going to be a little picture of your workplace. So you got to try to love them. All right. True. <laughs> True. Well, how about you? I mean, Nick, I, I mean, some, some people are following you on social media. And, <laughs> which is Are great. you? Are you? Are you following me? Um, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. I think I'm Facebook, but I don't check Facebook as much. But anyway, um, it's called Jess Nicket. <laughs> oh, Jess Nicket. Okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> Can you type that in a Jess Nick and then? No, I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> so Nick, I mean, it sounds like there's a lot of great things happening. Tell, tell, tell us a little bit about what's the best thing of work that you really enjoy, and maybe a challenge that you're facing. I think uh, one of the best thing that I really enjoyed is my work. I have to meet a lot of people. And I think uh, those people are from a lot of different backgrounds, age group, and also like from different social status. So I think meeting them uh, really enriched my like perspective at the same time. And I think one of the biggest challenge is first we deal with a lot of money, so there's a lot of temptations too. And I think secondly is uh, I think our nature is very competitive in in terms of our workplaces because people like sees you as how much money that you made and how much sales volumes that you get. So I think uh, in general, like inside the office, everyone is very aggressive at the same time, very competitive. So they compare with one another, even though you don't tend to compare, but they still like see you as a threat or as a competitive. I think also age-wise, like they will look down on you because you're young and not as experienced. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, like as you guys are sharing, one of the things that came up to my mind is like, 
how do you take your Sunday faith and then into the Monday work? And I think that's something that we always talked about is that not dichotomizing work and then also our, our, our faith, but you know, how do you bring faith? Have you seen some examples where opportunities to share your faith or just to share the love of Christ to love people around you? Emily? Um, yeah, um, uh, actually like a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> um, in my office space, um, after two years, I finally found a couple other Christians. <laughs> and so, uh, we actually started our own like weekly prayer group for our company. Um, so we've been getting together and just praying. Uh, for different issues in Hong Kong, because as you know, there's a lot going on, and um, for also our coworkers, and we've actually seen like pre-Christian coworkers come out and join us, and we're really hoping that that's a way we can live out our faith. And I mean, a funny story I have is that because we have accountability now, um, oftentimes they'll see each, like during the day we'll like look at each other and be like, oh, like so like one of my coworkers um, had an opportunity to donate money to a cause we were raising for, and um, she looked at me and she was like, and I was like. And so she ended up putting money and donating. <laughs> so we should try I, that. Um, so yeah, it comes down to having community and also um, being able to help each other. Remember, we're not there just for money and work. Good. What's your Nick? And I think uh, for me, one of the biggest takeaway is uh, having my identity like secure in Christ not in the result or in the performance that I have in work and I think putting that kind of mindset in in me like, it helps me to see my coworker as human too I think because uh, uh, I think in my industry uh, you first have to be re- very good to put your name on the map and then now you have to your name on the map you'll be able to bring out the influence. So I think uh, one thing that I did this year is I, I get ex- uh, uh, opportunity to really share uh, my testimony or things in inside our company. So I think just telling them that it's not about their worth or their identity is not about how much they earn or how much their sales volume they're getting in this quarter. I think it helps them to really shift the perspective that, oh, oh yeah, we shouldn't be just valuing uh, everything in terms of our work and everything. So I think, yeah, it really helps me and also helps myself to be like seeing things beyond like just the paycheck and then just the money that we're investing. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. So, I mean, just in closing, I'm wondering, uh, how can we pray for you guys? I, I think this is something that we really want to try to do more. And it's many of you are in different situations. We want, is it up there? No. Oh. Is it follow him at just Nick. Just Nick it. Okay. Yeah. All right, praise the Lord. But anyway, so <laughs> Nick, you gotta focus. You gotta focus. All right. Um, well, how can we pray for you guys about? Um, okay, uh, please, if you can, pray for me. <laughs> I think I just there's a lot of temptations I face, and like um, I think there's also a tendency to want to be cool in my industry, and I think sometimes that almost hinders me to want to share my faith because. Like, it's like, oh, you know, is this Christian? This is not, is it cool? Like, they're doing things that we don't normally do. I don't know. So if you can pray for me to really continue to grow in my security in Christ. And then um, pray for our my office prayer group. Um, pray for our company that, you know, we can really share a light in our office context through that. Um, and then just pray for my industry as well. I think the entertainment and media industry has a huge impact on our daily lives and shaping culture. But there's just not enough people in there shaping the culture to share kingdom values. And so if you can pray for more people to join our industry and um, for more content being produced that is really Christ-honoring. 
I think for me, I pray for myself that uh, for time management, because I'm now doing a part-time master degree. So I think uh, this year, a lot of people in my workplace they're uh, observing me like, oh, they want to see me fail because I now I have like uh, class after work. So I think uh, just being able to be faithful and still going to church and then still committing in this community and also be faithful in my work too. I think uh, it will showcase uh, a good example of how to be the light in the office. Yeah. Okay. I was thinking we could just pray for them. I'll pray for them. But if you are in the entertainment or the arts, media, that department, if some of you are in uh, commerce or something dealing with money or maybe you want to make a lot of money. No, I'm kidding. But if, if that's you, then uh, we want you to stand up. And as they stand up, we want you to stand up. And then I'm just going to pray for these brothers, uh, uh, Nick, and then also... For Emily, and then I'm going to pray for that industry. Can we just do that? So can we stand? If those are, those of us who are in that field, you can stand. <laughs> See this? All right. So go ahead and stand. It's okay. Yeah. So let's go ahead and stretch our hands towards uh, these people who are standing and even up here, and I'm just going to go ahead and pray for them. So thank you, Lord God, so much for these faithful servants who are trying to be a light in a dark place. And we know that they cannot do this on their own but they need to trust in you and depend on you. We pray for Emily, especially in this area where it's the entertainment and the media. And we know, Lord, oftentimes the values might contradict scripture, but Lord, thank you that she's not running away from it, but she's running towards it to be able to shine the light. Will you bless her even with this prayer group that started up? And I pray that you will help her even with different temptations and different things she might face. And I pray that content that they produce and she produces will be one that will value and reflect the kingdom value. So, Lord, use her in that way. We pray for Nick as well. We thank you just for his generous heart and the things that you're doing, that it's not just about making money, but it's learning how to better people around them. So, Lord, help him with some of the temptations and even the office conflict. We know it's easy for people to step on one another to get ahead, but I pray that he will work differently to honor you and to glorify you, Lord. So help him even with his studies and everything else that's going on. And I pray that he will be a great witness to see that you can do these things and still do excellent works. So bless both of them. I pray for all of us who are standing and even in these areas that uh, in the arts and media and entertainment, as well as in the business and commerce realm, that you will use our church, use our people who will go forth and to bring the light of Jesus Christ. So we thank you for them and pray all this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Come on, let's give them a hand. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Amen. Praise God. And I, this is one of the reasons why I'm just so thankful that I can do what I do uh, with those of you who are not yet in those fields. And this is something that I want to try to encourage you, especially those of you who are students. I know right now you're not working, but your work is your studies. That's what you're doing. That's, that's what it's all about. But I want to encourage you with this, is that before you make the money, before you go out into some of these different fields where there's going to be a lot of temptation, a lot of struggles, the conflicts that will happen in your life, that you are learning kingdom values. So once you understand these things, once you get into it, you will know how to live your life. And so I pray that you will learn this while you are in college. Don't wait until after, because sometimes it gets harder, but I pray that you will learn it while you're in college. So turn to somebody next year and say, God is working in the workplace. Amen? Go ahead. Amen. As we are kind of starting off on this passage, there was something that I saw this week that really kind of spoke to me. I actually, it really blessed me because one of the things that come up when it comes to the work and the type of work we do 
and as you heard from uh, just the interview, is that it is so easy to compare. It is so easy to say, well, look at that person. They're making this much money. This is how big their bank account is. Look at that. They have this or they have this. And then you look at what you have or what you are doing. You're wondering, is it significant? Is there something that I'm doing wrong? Or on the flip side, those of us who do have jobs or work that is very reputable, maybe something that people kind of say, ooh, ah, and you look at that and then you think that it's all you, your talent, your wisdom, your skills, but you forget that it's the Lord who has enabled you and he positioned you in that place to make a difference for Jesus Christ. So what I wanted to do is show you this really two and a half minute video, really quick video about a florist, someone who deals with flowers and they make bouquets and all that stuff. But it's it's a florist and something that she says throughout this video, I think is very impactful. And then I want I want you to see is the common thread. I'm, I'm wondering if you can catch it as you watch this very quickly, because it's just a vignette of just a simple florist. So let's watch it together. Powerful, isn't it? I'm just a florist. I don't know what you are. You might just be a student. You might just be a person working in the business realm, whatever it may be. I'm just a mom. I'm a parent. And one of the things that we forget is what we do and how we do it can actually make a huge difference. And it becomes a thread that is woven together in daily life. That if you could actually do what you do and do your work so well that you can make a difference in the world that God has placed you in, no matter how big or how small that may be. Isn't it amazing how our attitude towards our work can actually minister to people? And that's where the difference is made. I'm wondering what would happen if we really saw the importance of work and did it with excellence, to the best of our ability, with everything that God has given us. I'm wondering what would happen if we can actually do our work and through it that we could love and serve our coworkers in word and in deed. What would it be like if we can actually encounter people that we will never see inside the four walls of a building that we call church? Some of them will never enter into a life group. Some of them will never come into a church Sunday celebration. What would it be like if we were able to do things so well with excellence that we actually earn the right to be heard? People are like, something's different about you. Everything you do is just top-notch. Like, why? You're You're not making all this money, but why do you do that? And I'm wondering how we would represent Christ in the way we work that shows the integrity and the character of who Jesus Christ is. That's why in the second part, I want to talk about the way we work and why that's so important. So let me give us the one thing. The one thing simply is this. When God is my motivation for work, then there will be a transformation at work. There's going to be a change that you're going to experience in the workplace. So if God is your motivation for work, and there will be a transformation 
at work. I'm going to talk about two things in these two verses. So the first point I want to mention in verse 23, and the second point I want to mention in verse 24. So there are two things about us remembering the importance of allowing God to be our motivation for work, to see a transformation at work. The first thing is this. We have to remember whom you are working for. Who is it that you're working for? Look at verse 23, will you? Let's quickly look at this verse in the book of Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. It says this, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. The apostle Paul writes to the Colossians. And if you know the book of Colossians, you realize the first couple of chapters is all about the supremacy of Christ, that there is no one like Jesus Christ. All things were created for him and by him and through him. All things. Like there is no one that even comes close to this Christ. And then he mentions, Apostle Paul does, and then he mentions because of the supremacy of Christ, that now we are made alive in Christ. There is nothing in this world that can make a dead person spiritually come alive except for Jesus Christ and what he has done. So he talks about that and then it leads to chapter 3. And then chapter 4, as he closes out this letter. And in chapter 3 and chapter 4, what he's focusing in on is this. In light of the supremacy of Christ, in light of what he has done in your life, because now you are alive in Christ, he then talks about for the next two chapters how you ought to live. Knowing this should affect how you live your life. So the way you live your life is a reflection of what you know. So after addressing the relationships between the husband and wife, he also talks about the children and parents, and he addresses the relationship between bond servants and masters. Now, it's important that in our time right now, it is better to look at it from the perspective of a boss and an employee type of relationship. And that's why we're using this passage. When Paul mentions whatever you do, everyone say whatever you do, This is a very good reminder that one job is not more important or greater than someone else. Someone else's job or work. It's so easy to think that what you do has no significance. That's why Paul says, whatever you do, it doesn't matter what position, what title, what income, what status or reputation that you have by doing that. He says, whatever you do, So once again, those are the two extremes. Some of us, we just feel like what we do, there's no significance to it. Or we're not doing something that's very important, like a florist from their perspective. Or we think we're so important because that our job is more important than everyone else's. That people have to show us respect. People have to kind of treat us a certain way. We feel entitled to certain things. That's why some of you are pursuing after certain degrees for the reputation and even for the paycheck that you will be received. But it's important to note that Paul says, whatever you do. So in fact, if you look at it from another angle, it really doesn't matter what you do. So whatever you do reminds us that you can now redeem it for the glory of God. The phrase work heartily that you see here in verse 23, it is translated as working out from the soul. This is a direct contrast between what is mentioned in verse 22, one verse earlier, because Paul was warning about doing things, and it says here, by way of eye service 
as people pleasers. So he says, whatever you do, it doesn't matter what you're doing, but whatever you're doing, he says, to work heartily, to work in such a way that comes out of your soul. It's that motivation. It's the heart as you do it. Because earlier he says, some of you are doing things as eye service, so people are watching you. <laughs> Those of us who are working, you know how it is. You have a function that you can quickly change your screen. So as soon as the boss walks in, and then you're like, important stuff. And then when that boss leaves, back to what you were doing. That's what we call eye service. Because they're watching you, and because they're watching you, then you're doing it well because they're watching you. That's what Paul is talking about, which oftentimes leads to what? People pleasing. You see this not only in the workplace, but you see this in the church. There are a lot of people who forget why they do what they do, why they serve in a ministry team, why they come out to life group, why they come to Sunday celebration, why they do LCG, which is our accountability system. They forget all this. And so it just becomes another chore. It becomes another meeting. It becomes something that you just have to do. And then your leader is constantly like, hey, what's going on? Hey, we miss you. And you're like, ah. Oh. And so you just go in because next time you don't want them to bother. That's what we call people pleasing. That's eye service. So they can see you and they think, oh, they haven't fallen away. There's, they still got it. You know? Paul says, don't do that. Because whatever it is that we're doing and we're called to do in terms of context of work, then he says, do it heartily. From the soul. I, I like the phrase eye service in different translations in the NIV, NLT. It says, try to please them all the time, not just when you are, when they are watching you. The NIV says, not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor. The message translation says, and don't just do the minimum that will get you by. I like that one. Like how many of us are so motivated to go beyond just the minimum. You see this all the time. Is it six yet? It's kind of like little kids. Are we there yet? Is it six yet? Is it seven yet? Whenever you get a work. Just do the minimum. But what would it be like when you actually do beyond the minimum? Not just because you have to do it, but you see this as a worship and you do it to honor God. What would happen? I think it's so easy to do just the minimum so that we can get a paycheck or we can do things because it's expected of us. This is why in the rest of verse 23, Paul clearly mentions that we should work for the Lord and not for men or for human beings. It is completely a different mindset because many times we work not for the Lord, but for those around us. Listen to what Ephesians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8 in the New Living Translation. Listen to what it says. And in the yellow, please read along with me. It says this. Work with enthusiasm, though you are working for the Lord rather than people. Remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we are slaves or free. Did you get that? You're not really actually working for your boss. Well, you are, but in eternal perspective, you're not. God is your boss. You're working for him. 
Even earlier in verse 17 of chapter 3, book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul mentions that we should do things in Jesus' name. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, listen to what it says. And read it in the yellow with me. It says, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Listen to the New Living Translation of that verse, 17. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. So once again, it is so tempting. It is so easy. It just comes natural. You don't even have to try to do things only when people are watching you as if you know you're going to get in trouble if you don't do that. Or you only do it because you know you're going to get somewhere. You're going to get a promotion. That's your only motivation for working hard, to get a promotion. Or build up your resume, your CV. But Paul says that you should work from the soul, which means that it's something that you're convicted about. It's like having this awareness of the character of God, who he is, and then being aware of his presence, that he's there with you at work. And understanding this, you see it as an opportunity to honor him. I think this is very important because even in the Old Testament, it alludes to this. King Hezekiah, who understood that everything that he did was for God, listen to what it says in 2 Chronicles chapter 31, verse 20 and 21. I'm going to read it from the ESV. Read the yellow with me. It says, Thus Hezekiah did all throughout, excuse me, thus Hezekiah did throughout all Judah, and he did what was good and right and faithful before the Lord his God, and every work that he undertook in the service of the house of God and in accordance with the law and the commandments, seeking his God, he did with all his heart and prospered. That as he was doing work, he did it from his heart, but he was doing it seeking God. I'm I'm challenging you this morning, those of you who are working in the workplace, those of you who are students and studying, because that is your work, I'm just wondering how many of you seek God as you work and you do it with all your heart, from the soul. What what if God was our boss? Would it affect how you work? Maybe the quality of work that is produced? I'm wondering if you're going to give your 100% or go beyond what's expected of you. You know, this is the reason why I'm a, I'm a firm believer of this. Now, of course, anything could take it, be taken to the extreme, and this is where it's dangerous. And we want to try to stay in the middle. Do you know why I'm so passionate about excellence? Do you know why, even in the context of the church, I want to do things well? Now, of course, if you want to just do it for your name so you could be exalted, we have a problem. Do you know why I get inspired when I see people at work doing excellent work? That go above and beyond. They don't be like, well, there's nothing I can do. But they're outside of the box thinker. Okay, even though there's nothing we could do, let's try to think, how else can we solve this problem? Do you know why that's so inspiring? Because it reflects what it is that you value and what it is that you have placed your trust in. Let me explain. If you believe, and please don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm trying to share this illustration so that I could try to do the extremes. 
If you're teaching kindergarten, and I know some of you might be teaching it, please don't take this in the wrong way. It's not what you think I'm saying. But if you're teaching kindergarten and their brain is only like five-year-old brain, whether you do A or B in something, they won't be able to even tell as long as they can laugh and have fun. They're like, school was so fun, mommy. And what did you do? You just did jump rope. I don't know, whatever. It's so fun. Now, I know there's more involved in it. That's why I'm saying don't take it in the wrong way. Compared to, here's this boss who has the power to actually promote you and to get a new position. And when you look at some of those situations, when you realize people are not going to notice, what's the difference? These are little kids. Compared to my boss is going to notice, and if I don't do this well, I might not even get that promotion or I might even get fired. I think it is so easy when you put yourself in that kind of situation just to do the bare minimum or even less than what's expected and you will go to the other extreme and go above and beyond, stay up all night trying to do this, trying to impress somebody. Now, you fill in the blank. Some of you can be your parents. Some of you can be a leader. It could be anyone. But if you have the perspective, as I shared, God is my boss. And it's a reflection of who he is in his character. So therefore, whatever I produce, whatever I do, I want it to reflect who God is. And if God is perfect, we're not. And God is majestic and he is awesome. That means that everything we do should reflect who God is. We're not going to be perfect. Don't misunderstand me. But we will do everything possible that will reflect who God is in his character. That's why I'm motivated sometimes to, okay, this is good enough. No, it's not. When you look at it in the world standard, it might be good enough. But in the eyes of God, I want to do my best. Remember, the other extreme is perfectionism and it hurts people. So there's that room for human error and we're like, We're not perfect, but the heart intentionality is I want to do my best in all that I'm going to produce with the hands and my mind because God is awesome. So this is my challenge. Just by looking at what you do, can people see how awesome God is? I hope people can. And as I was thinking about this, I'm like, when do, I, when do I get motivated to go above and beyond? When do I get motivated to do excellent work? I realize that sometimes I go above and beyond when that person really loves me. I know that they love me. I know that they care for me. I know that they have shown grace so many times in my life. I don't know why. And this is where it, it is sometimes hard to tell because you might want to please them. But as you know, if it's a response of knowing how much they loved you and how they've been so kind to you, you want to do above and beyond. That's the gospel. When you know what Jesus Christ has done for you, then when you the deeper you understand that, the more you want to give your best to God, not your leftovers. How about us this morning? I'm wondering, do you work from the soul? which is rooted in knowing who God is and what he has done for you and done for me on the cross. So it's a more of a natural response. 
I'm wondering, do we know that God is our boss? In the bigger perspective of that, he is our boss. We work for him. And that's why we don't try to please anyone else but him and him alone. Even if people at work don't even recognize us, recognize us as long as God recognizes what we're doing. I'm wondering, how would the product of your work and our relationship with our coworkers, how would it be lived differently if you really knew? So the question is, who is it that you're working for in your life? Let me close with the second point. Not only remember whom you are working for, the second thing is this, remember why you are working. Kind of tying it with last week's, but reminding us once again, why, why, why are we working? As I mentioned last week, since sin, sin entered into this world, you and I, we have been alienated from God and that our perspective of work has completely been distorted. So instead of understanding God's design for work, which is a good thing and an avenue to worship him, so our studies, as we study, it could worship him. As we go to work every single Monday morning, it's a worship to him. Instead of seeing it that way, what happens is that now we're using work for our self-centered purposes. That's why your motivation is completely off. That's why you study so hard, because it's all about you. You make it about you. Now, some of you are so good. You, you guys are good. Man, you guys are really good. Some of you are like, I am? Let me show. Some of you are so good at hiding your self-centered motive that you lace it with Christian, Christian needs. So you're studying hard because it's all about you, your glory, your, your control. But you're like, well, we need to honor God and study for him. Who's going to be like, no, you shouldn't? No, of course. Oh, I can't come to life group today because, uh, you know, this exam or I, I, I can't, I can't do membership. I can't do this because, uh, you know, I really got to study. But you know what? Let's just be honest. You were messing around. You were wasting time this past two weeks. You knew that the exam was coming or you knew that it was delayed. So, oh, it's delayed. <laughs> it's delayed. I have more time. Rather than saying, this is important. I want to know what it means to be a member of the church and commit to it. My parents are spending a lot of money, so I need to honor God. Who's going to argue? That, that is the praying mantis. That is like the ultimate last death kill. Like, okay. Same with work. OT and all this stuff. Yeah, my boss, and I want to really try to honor my boss. I want to try to be a good witness. I, I hear the other, I want to be a good witness. No, we want you to be a bad witness. Be bad. Be horrible witness. So sometimes our motive and the why we do things is really rooted in self-centeredness and idolatry, but we lace it with Christian words that everyone goes, whoa. So no one touches you. You're like immune. <laughs> and you're like, I get to do whatever I want. You know, and you're like, this is great. But listen, I'm not, I hope, I'm not trying to make some of you feel guilty. I'm trying to speak the truth so the Holy Spirit can convict you. I think sadly we made work into a source 
because of the alienation with, with the wrong perspective, we have made work into a source where we find ultimate happiness, ultimate significance, ultimate security, rather than putting our trust in God and finding those things, significance, security, all those good things, happiness, joy. Instead of finding it in God, we find it in the things that we do. We have rejected God and decided to make our work into an idol where we worship ourselves. That's why now we're determined to control our own lives. We center our whole lives around our work, and that's why we see the extremes. Listen to me carefully. This is something that is just, you see this every single day. You see this in your own life. If you were to honestly and just look in the mirror, we see this. So either we put so much of our identity and effort into work that we feel exhausted and unfulfilled. You see those people all the time. They're making millions of dollars. They have everything. And you're thinking to yourself, they should be so happy. But they're the ones who are the most unfulfilled and the just they don't have happiness in their lives. Because they're exhausted. All of their time is spent in trying to move up to the next ladder or corporate ladder. Move it up and try to get to the next job. Better job. Move up to the position. And they hate life. You see them. That's why they have to party so hard on the weekends. They're not happy. They look happy because they have all the stuff. Or if you put all your identity and everything in what you do and try to find significance and fulfillment that only Jesus can fully give, because you can find significance in your work. You can find fulfillment and joy and happiness in your work but when you make it the ultimate things that's when you're going to get disappointed that's why some of you and some of you know of friends when they lose their job they're devastated when the stock market crashes some of them are thinking even of suicide because their whole identity is placed on what they do or if i could share the other side of it Some of you who are out of work. Some of you who have jobs that are not really prestigious. And I won't even mention it because some of you will be like, oh, he's talking about me. I'm not talking about any of you. But I'm just saying, you know in your own mind what you feel like is a job that's not really like worthy of mentioning. I work at, (coughs) and you don't want to mention anything. You know who you are. Or you talk about your GPA like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's just a number. It's just a number, you know. So guess what happens? You feel so low, so depressed, so down. I've seen this constantly. And then my first reaction is they're putting their identity in their work. That's why I'm wondering sometimes when things are taken away from us, how we respond is really more of an exposure. And that's in God's mercy and grace to show you you're putting your whole identity in the things that you do instead of who I am as God sending his son, Jesus Christ, down the cross. That's why Derek Thomas, he's a a writer for the Atlantic magazine, and he uses this word, I thought it was really interesting as I was kind of uh, reading this article, he uses the word workism. And he says that this is one of the most potent of new religions competing for people's hearts because we are all created to worship something. I have a feeling he's a Christian. 
I'm reading this article this past week, and I'm thinking to myself, wow, he hits it right on the nose. There's this new religion called workism, where people bow down to it daily. Because he says we were all created to worship something or someone. So listen to how he defines workism. He defines it in this way. It is the belief that work is not only necessary to economic production, but also the centerpiece of one's identity and life's purpose. And the belief that any policy to promote human welfare must always encourage more work. Now, that sounds like a pretty decent definition of work. But then he goes on in the articles and he says, this is what the American dream did to people. Now, as you know, it's not just American dream. It is the global dream. Even people in China, they're pursuing after this dream. And what is that? They have all different versions. It could be American dream, the China dream, or the Chinese dream, or even the Hong Konger dream. We all have this dream. And it's a philosophy that governs how we live our lives. And the philosophy is simply this. Work hard or excuse me, hard work always guarantees upward mobility. So it is this mindset that if you just work really hard, that you're going to be able to get all this stuff. And that's in almost every single culture, the human paradigm. And it says this mindset has caused people to be obsessed with success and push ourselves at a cost that we can, so somehow we can obtain that. And listen, Paul in the next verse tells us and teaches us we got to have a different perspective. That's how we get workaholics. This new religion of workism. It's completely different from the world. As Christ follows, we are called to think more eternally and know where the motivation comes. So let me, let me just read verse 24. It says this. Knowing that from the Lord... You will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. We see Paul is now giving the why of doing everything heartily from the soul, why you should be doing it. The reason is because an inheritance that we will receive as this reward because we're serving Christ Jesus. Now the word reward is translated as recompense or compensation. Or if you want to look at it more simply, it means to get back or to recover. So that's why the message translation says this, confident that you'll get paid in full when you come into your inheritance. Now, don't raise your hand, but I'm wondering how many of you travel for work? Don't you love those compensations, the comp? It's awesome. Because when you work overtime, it gets compensated. When you travel and take a taxi, it gets compensated. When you go and have to have dinner at work because you have to work so hard, you get what? Compensated. You love comp. You know that because I know that. Because I'm just like, comp. Because whatever you pay, you're going to get back. So how many of you are like, oh, I don't know if I should pay for this. You're like, charge it. Because I'm going to get it paid back. Right? And so what Paul is saying is this. As you do things 
heartily from the Lord, and because it's Christ you're serving, it's God, the Lord you're serving, what he's saying is this, the perspective that you should have is that you are doing it because of an inheritance. That's going to be a reward. Now, the concept of reward and paying back in full is mentioned all throughout the Bible. Listen to what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9 and 10 in the NIV. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one, come on, may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. The message translation says, but neither exile or homecoming is the main thing. Cheerfully pleasing God is the main thing. And that's what we aim to do, regardless of our conditions. Sooner or later, we'll all have to face God, regardless of our conditions. We will appear before Christ and take what's coming to us as a result of our actions, whether good or bad. So this concept of reward, this concept of recompensation or comp, it's something that we understand and the Bible talks about that when we stand before God, we're going to be rewarded according to what we have done. And with those things that we have been, we're going to lay down our crowns and worship God. Ultimately, it's all about him. But this idea is there and this is why this idea of payback or reward, Paul is mentioning because he says this, listen, not to say that the more you do, the more you're going to get. But he says this, he says, your payback, your reward of doing work that is from the soul, that's heartily. So when you study hard, when you go to work and you work hard, what he's saying is that it is rooted in the inheritance that we already have in Jesus Christ. Let me explain. This is important to understand because we're talking about why we do work. You have to understand our inheritance in Christ is something that we did not earn, something that we that we haven't we, we don't deserve it, but guess what? He has given it to us. We have obtained it. Maybe not in its fullness until we die or when Jesus comes back, but we have it. Because of what he has done on the cross and what he did when he rose again from the dead. That's why Ephesians chapter 1 verse 11 even 13, bravo, through verse 14, listen to what it says. In him we have, come on, obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. We're, uh, we're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we require possession of it to the praise and glory. So what he's saying is this. He says, because Jesus Christ has already died now, he has predestined us, those of us who trust in him as Lord and Savior. We have this inheritance. And through the Holy Spirit that now seals this, that we will acquire the possession of it. So we have it, but it's not fully until we die and see Jesus Christ face to face. So why is all this pastor, okay, whatever. I, I, have, a, I have a midterm tomorrow, so can you not give me any more information? Just keep it simple. So let me try to keep it simple. What Paul is saying is that you have an inheritance. You did nothing to earn it. But when you live your life here to glorify him and do work wholeheartedly, then that inheritance that you did not deserve, you will get in its fullness when you die and see Jesus face to face. So what you cannot receive here on this earth 
Maybe you're not going to get that promotion. Maybe you're not going to get a recognition. Maybe you're not going to get that job. Those things that you cannot get here, what he's saying is your perspective is different because you don't, do, you don't work for people in this world. You don't just try to do it for yourself. You do it for God because you already have this inheritance and it's going to be your reward. And when you see Jesus face to face, he's going to be so glorious that nothing else on this earth pale. It, it, will, it will pale in comparison. So the ultimate source of all the rewards, everything that we do that will be paid back to us, the source is God. And so when you can do things for God, whatever we don't receive or whatever we feel like, oh, it's not coming to us, when we do it wholeheartedly, the faith that is required is that one day when I say Jesus Christ face to face, he will reward me. He'll say, well done, my good and faithful servant. (laughs) This is like many Asian parents. You study hard. You know what they're saying? Let me translate. You got to get into that good school. You got to get straight A's. You know what they're saying? Let me translate because sometimes it gets lost in translation. What they're saying is we're spending a lot of money on you so when we get old and tired and stuff, we can have a nice house and you'll take care of us. That's what they're saying. Just so that you know. What they're saying is this. We're investing. We are pouring our lives, our resources into you because you are a hope. And you get that job, you make that money, and you take care of us. Now, I'm not saying it's completely wrong. I think we need to honor our parents. And some of you who parent like that, you're going to get in trouble. Because it's all about whom? I did this, so you need to pay me back later on in life when you make a lot of money. And the danger of that is that we make our kids into idols. We make our future that is not secure if it's apart from Christ. We make that an idol. That's why parents get devastated when their kids don't do what they want them to do or do not major in that. Mom, dad, I want to be a ballerina. Say what? You're not going to do nothing. That's why they don't want you to get too involved in certain things. That's why they don't want you to go to China on a missions project. That's why, because it's all about them. Of course, they say it in the, you know, nice way. Like, we don't want you to, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian parent, so you got to listen to me, and we want you to be safe. Don't go out. Don't go to life group. Why are you going out to life group? It's, it's dangerous. Now, please, we already talked about this. We want you to be safe, but we don't want Satan to use this to alter what we are called to do. We are immortal. Until we have finished everything that God has called us to do. That doesn't mean you live recklessly. But you have a purpose. A destiny. And so you don't fear what's going around you. Because you know that ultimately life is in the hands of God. And so it is so easy. When you think about this reward and paying back. That we have such a secular people centered. Instead of a God centered view. That our ultimate payback, our ultimate reward is that as we work for him, as he is our boss, as we're serving him, that when we die and see him face to face, he will reward us in this inheritance that has already been purchased for us through the price of the blood of Jesus Christ. Therefore, as Christians, we do not just work for a paycheck or a vacation that we're going to get, or a promotion that we're hoping for. But we work because we remember that we are called to work for a genuine concern for His glory, to honor Him, and to love people around us. 
And that's why working with excellence and the way we work, how we work, will make all the difference in the world. How about us? Are we working with this kind of perspective? I'm wondering how many of you really see this full reward. It will not come in this earth, but when you stand before God, I would love to hear every single one of us, myself included, to hear the words from Jesus, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. You didn't make a lot of money, but well done. You didn't have that position or title, but well done. So the one thing, once again, when God is my motivation for work, then there will be a transformation at work. Can I quickly give us some things to ponder upon as application? And you choose what you want to do, but I want to just challenge us to think in light of this message. That if we really look at our motivation for work, how it will completely change our workplace and how we do our work. The first thing is this. Dedicate your work to God. God is the one who gave you that job. God is the one who could take it away in any moment. So dedicate. God, this is yours. This is why I'm doing it for you. This is a way to glorify you. The second thing is this. Do excellent work. Everyone say, do excellent work. Even if no one is impressed, no one notices, God does. Amen? Do excellent work. Inspire people. That's why when I see things that are produced by people in our church and it's excellent, I'm like, wow, that is so good. I'm so amazed. Some of you guys are getting training for your CVs. And you can say, here's here's my portfolio. And it's all the sermon ads, right? So you're like, here's my portfolio. They're like, wow, this is great. I'm saying this because people in Michigan did that too. They were part of our uh, publication team, and they made all these like uh, sermon ads, and they actually used it as their, you know, CV. And they're like, "Wow, wow!" And I always get comments from people like, "Wow, your website! Like, what did you outsource? Who who did it for you? I think we we need to kind of and like people in our church. They go, "What? This is like a full time job. Just for this project, they can get paid like eight thousand, not Hong Kong dollar, USD." Amen. Amen. Five to eight thousand dollars for a project of making a, a website for a company. But they're doing it. Well, it's not really free. Nothing's free except for gospel and air. But they're using their time, their energy, everything that they have, they're doing it for the glory of God. So when it's excellent and people see our church website and they're like, what church? An international churches in Hong Kong. Bam! And then our thing comes up and they go, wow. I don't know about that pastor. He looks kind of weird. But, you know, everything else is like, wow. They're going to want to come check it out? Hospitality team? If you're like, hello. And people are like, oh. They're like, hi. But not like, hi, how are you? How are you? What's your name? You know, freaking them out. Like, this is what I would say. I'm wondering if someone who is a majoring in hotel management walks into our church what they will say about our hospitality team. Can you imagine if I'm a hotel manager? I'm getting trained in this. Maybe I'm, I'm working in the, the hotel business and I'm training greeters or I'm training those people at receptionists and I walk into this church and they're like, wow, who trained you guys? Like, this is better than what we do in the hotel business. Wow, these guys are... No, okay, but you know... 
even worship, the reason why we're constantly trying to improve in different ways is because we don't want it to be a distraction. We want it to usher in the presence of God as we're worshiping. I'm just mentioning some of these different ministry teams and some of the stuff, but there's so many. <laughs> like, sometimes I, I get a little bit amazed. Maybe I'm a little bit OCD in that way, but like, I, sometimes when I walk into these conferences, whatever, I kind of look at the chairs and if they're a little bit off, I'm like, hmm, somebody was, didn't drink enough coffee, you know? But like when I'm looking and even the chairs are all lined up on that line. Now I was looking down, not this one, not this one, not in my row. Like little things like that. You're doing things with excellence because we serve this great God. Not to impress people, but we serve God. What would it be like? Do excellent work. Third, Direct your focus on God. Every single time when things get discouraging or things that work are hard, direct your focus back on God. God, you're my boss. Not this dude. This guy, he, whatever. Lord, you are. I'm going to do my best. And lastly, depend on God when things get hard. I want to give you a thought. And I'm going to close with this short video. I want to give you a thought. And the thought is this. What if every single day there are millions of people lifting up a prayer to God because they're in some kind of situation? And God decides, I'm going to answer that prayer through my people. So what I'm asking you is this, as a thought. What if the quality of work and the way you work is actually going to be an answer to someone else's prayer. That you will actually be the person that God will use to minister to somebody else because someone prayed that in their time of need. Let's close with this. Come on, let's stand together, shall we? Tomorrow morning, many of, many of us will be going to work those of you who are students, you're going to be going to classes and studying, taking exams. And I know it's so hard to sit behind a cubicle, a desk, and thinking, how is this going to help somebody? But that's why I think the most beautiful thing that will happen, I believe, this is just speculation, but I believe that one of the beautiful things that will happen when we get to heaven is people are going to come and they're going to be like, thank you for doing what you did. That one day. You're like, what did I do? And you realize, wow, there are a lot of things I just did every single day. I didn't expect any payback, any comp. I did it because my inheritance is in God and God alone. But it impacted people. Some of you are like, well, why should I go to life group? I, I tell people, you just being there as long as you don't have this nasty attitude, right? Because then no one wants you to be there. But just being in life group and participating in discussion and just trying to lift someone's spirit, like that can make all the difference in one person's life. Just going to work and just doing your job and doing it well, that will help your company to expand. And I know sometimes it's always about the bottom line. It's how much money this company can make. But if you see the good in some of these things, that they could actually impact people's lives. And you're thinking, I just played this little part, but I did it so well. And it's making a difference. Can you imagine when up in heaven, you've actually answered someone's prayer?
God decided, I'm going to use you, your work that you're doing so well. I'm going to use that to answer this person's prayer. That's why the way we work should be done with excellence and do it so well with knowing that it's not about the here and now, but it's about heaven. It's about loving people. It's about glorifying God. All these things we've been talking about the last two weeks. If we can live every single day with the work that God has given us and that kind of mindset, it will revolutionize. Some of you who are students, you think it's just about studying. Sometimes God placed you in that class because there's somebody there who's thinking about suicide. You don't think like that, do you? So you're like, oh, alarm, beep, beep, beep. Just miss that class. It's not that important. What if by going to that class, you will sit next to someone? Or someone will come and sit next to you, and you realize that they don't know Jesus Christ? I'm just challenging us that everything that we do, may it be for the glory of God. Studying, going to classes, work even some of you who stay home and it, it's it's hard work but it's great work because you're investing in the next generation mothers fathers those of you who are working in these high rises these big corporations to a small little shop whatever it is whatever you do it doesn't matter whatever you do do it wholeheartedly from the soul not working for men but you're working for god And through that, as you work for Jesus, you will receive your inheritance. Because it is the Lord Jesus you are serving. Let's go this Monday and let's, I don't know, this is American colloquialism, but let's bum rush it. Let's just, let's, let's just go in there like, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna conquer this office. This classroom, it conquers me every single week, but I'm going to conquer it this week. Let's do that. Can you imagine every single one of us? We're raising an army of people with kingdom workers to go forth and make a difference. This is how we're going to change the city. This is how we're going to change the campus for the glory of God. May we have that kind of attitude. Let's pray together. Father, I just pray for my brothers and sisters, every single person in the sound of my voice. I pray, God, that we will have a complete different perspective about work. Lord, this is your design. You created work. But because of sin, now we've been alienated from you. And we do it things for ourselves rather than doing it for you. I just pray, God, no matter what type of job that we have, no matter what kind of work that we do, whatever it is, may we do it all for your glory. Do it from the heart, from the soul. Because it is Christ Jesus we are serving. May we honor you. May we glorify you. I pray that you'll change our attitude, change our perspective. Put a wind in our sails so we could, we could sail out into deeper ends. I pray that you will be the wind beneath our wings so we could fly and soar higher. May you be the Bukhari sweat so we could re-energize. <laughs> Whatever it takes, Lord, may you be our strength, be our energy. May we do it to honor you. We don't work for a boss here on this earth. We work for you. You're our boss, the perfect boss. So Lord, help us to serve you, honor you. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Mission Community Church Podcast. 
For more information, visit our website at hongkong.hmcc.net.